You're listening to the Fanboy Garage Podcast. Welcome to the Fanboy Garage. I'm Chris Lasanti, joined by my co-hosts, Vanana. Hi. And Bumblebee, Aaron Varola. What's up, folks? Welcome to episode 109 of the Fanboy Garage. Another week, another episode, some more drama, lots of things percolating on the theater side of things. We're just trying to keep you guys up to up speed and abreast of all the stuff happening in entertainment and pop culture. So we've got... Stuff to talk about uh, related to DC fandom, which will uh, which will be this this weekend. Um, so if you're listening to us on a Thursday, it's Saturday. So hopefully we'll get some good stuff out there for you guys next week. Uh, but then there's been some developments on um, movie theaters specifically. Folks starting to open up again. Yeah. So um, I know AMC Theaters is looking to have. Um, at least a hundred of their theaters, right, open by August twentieth, and they sure. want to have. I think it said something about, oh, like, a, up to six hundred or more theaters or three hundred theaters open by Labor Day weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of a a little bit of a surprise. Um, yeah. you know, because we hadn't really heard aggressive. much. Yeah, and I guess in honor of their like anniversary or whatever, they're the first day that they're open, which I guess would be August 20th, they're going to have like 15 cent tickets. It's like the anniversary of something. They're scaling back the pricing to be 15. That's awesome. they're, they're doing, they're doing prices um, of what they cost in 1920. There you go. Which was like, which was like the first year. Um, that you know they had a theater. I think it was Missouri. Right. So hundred years. So ago. 50, it's like fifty. They're nineteen twenty prices of like fifteen cents. I think that is kind of funny because AMC theaters is owned by a Chinese conglomerate. Um, you but, know what's ironic uh, too is that if it is nineteen twenty prices, like that's only a couple years after the last pandemic. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure that polio was around still. And, um, so, jeez. The Spanish flu, Spanish flu was yeah. like what? Well, not the last pandemic, but the last, like, the, like, to this scope anyway. The last, like, the Spanish flu, yeah, whatever you know what? it was. They can keep their 15 cent tickets. My ass is staying home. Well, and it's, it's 15 cents for, like, movies like Empire Strikes Back and. That's. That's awesome. Stuff like that's it. so cool, though. I feel like the list of movies that they're going to show, like we were talking about this last week, right? You guys were like asking me, well, have you ever seen, you know, the Star Wars, um, like the original films in the movie theaters? And I said, no, because I'm too young. Um, so that's I think it's kind of cool that they have some movies on the list that maybe I wouldn't have been able to see or like someone younger and then you can go experience it in the theater for the first time and and risk getting covid it's great <laughs> i know you're like i saw i saw empire strikes back that's amazing and then i came down with so a little cold oh, they're God. after the opening day right <clears throat> where they're gonna have the 15 dollar ticket of uh, 15 cent tickets 
They're going to have movies um, like Inception, Black Panther, Back to the Future, and The Empire Strikes Back for five bucks. Um, mm. Yeah, mm. So because they're going to need, obviously... So, which is interesting because right. when Tenant does open, you would assume that they're going to follow in a similar model uh, to where they're going to want to pack those, like, they're going to have more screens being used, right, for one film right. to create distance and whatnot. But, so it's been interesting to see, I guess they're going to just buy time until, um, you know, until they, the Tenant actually does hit, so. Yeah, I... I'm, uh, I mean, I don't really care what the hell's in the theater, to be honest with you. And, and, you know, it, at this point in this conversation related to COVID, it's getting, it's like, it's like never ending, literally. Um, but, you know, the stuff that's been happening in universities and in schools that are opening up is like really, really scary stuff. And, um, you know, this idea of just, Walking into a theater and spending, you know, Empire Strikes Back is like more than an hour, obviously more than an hour and a half long. But sitting in that theater for that long with people just hoping to God that I don't get something is like, that's a little nerve wracking. Like, I don't know if I'd be actually able to sit there and enjoy something if my mind is preoccupied with this. Like, I know I'm taking a risk and I just, you know, put that on the shelf for a little bit and enjoy this film. I don't know. I definitely couldn't do it. You know what? I have to tell you guys, um, for for work this week, I did have to take a couple of, you know, courses like the John Hopkins um, contact tracing course. And I and I took some other like safe sets uh, for like non-union sets. You know, how do we get back to work um, on, on a set? You know, and I think a lot of production companies are kind of going through that right now. So I took some of these courses and I have to say, um, the John Hopkins one was very thorough, and my point is, it made me feel a lot comfortable because now I have like the actual facts that are coming from, like you know, a reputable source. Right. And infection, it's not like you know, you walk into a room and it's in the air. You know what I mean? Um, so there's like certain factors and certain things that you have to look out for and like ask people about and, you know, the infection by the time it gets to you, it has to cross like many different factors, you know, and check off many different boxes before you're sick. But I understand like the kind of like the psychological fear, you know, Yeah. Um, but chances are you'll be fine if you go to a movie theater and you're socially distanced and you wear your mask and sanitize and wash your hands. Here's the, here's the thing though about that. So, um, we have to trust that people, other people, employees are going through that. And I'm sure that they're all doing it, but that they're adhering to those guidelines. Right. And, we also, as as people who are attending the theater, also have to make sure we're adhering to certain guidelines as well. Like, I just had a shit show of a time at Walmart earlier today. Oh, no. And, they, like, for all intents and purposes, they've got this amazing system. Like, you walk this way and someone else walks in the other direction and you're six feet apart and you're supposed to be navigating the aisles and, you know, in a system. That mm-hmm. shit don't work. Do you know how many times I like literally bumped into people because I'm crossing over in my section and someone else is not adhering to that stuff? And I'm like, this is (laughs) like in situations where 
you know, or in states where things are, are hot. Like, I get it how it could spread like wildfire because people just, I, I don't know if they're not taking it seriously or there's just, you know, there's no one really telling them, hey, this is what you have to do to kind of navigate the store. So, I don't, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I understand. Um, I just, um, I just had a, out. I just had a great idea. Hmm. You know how you get those like 3D glasses? Yep. What about like 3D face shields? That'd be cool. Huh? Huh? Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, 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 it'd have to be like half and half, right? So uh, one, yeah. one half of the mask would be blue, <laughs> and the other half would. Be... I just oh, so old school. Nice. Next time. Yeah. It's Aaron going so old funny. school like the ones you used to get at Burger King to watch uh, 3D <laughs> yes. movies on TV for the six people that got that reference. Um, so Alamo Draft House, right there going to be reopening some of their theaters on August 21st, and they're actually going to be the first place where anybody could see Bill and Ted's Face to Music. August 26th, they're doing free screenings of that movie Holy in their shit. theaters. And so you don't have to pay 15 cents to get correct. COVID for free. And they're also going to be putting tickets on sale for The New Mutants and Tenet. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so theater's gearing up for... Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that works. I mean, th the fact is uh, we are in a time now where it, it looks like, and, and I don't think this is going to be changing anytime soon, we are going to have options, right? So this conversation that we're having right now, you know, Aaron will be able to not go to the theater and still see movies and Vanessa can go to the theater if she wants and I can go to I can I, I mean I like to stay home anyway so yeah so I could do that and you know for, because we're in a time where we're going to get the video on demand releases for these movies so like for Bill and Ted's Face to Music they're already taking pre-orders for the VOD release of that uh, the digital copy of it. It's coming out the same day it hits theaters, August 28th. So it actually moved the date up. Um, mm. And it's right now, you could pre-order it for 25 bucks on all the different services, Vudu, Amazon, Apple, you know, all everywhere, wherever you get, Fandango Now, your, your digital movies. Right. Um, obviously, you can't pre-order a rental, so I'm sure it'll be available as a rental, or maybe it won't, but... I mean, you could pay 25 bucks right now and just watch it at home the day it comes out. Uh, not sure if they're going to do a rental price for it because everyone's using different models, right, for how they're rolling out these mm -hmm. VOD releases. Some are doing the $20 rental. Some are doing these, you know, $20 rent or purchase. Some are doing, like, Bill & Ted's. It's twenty four ninety nine to purchase. Uh, obviously, we know the Mulan model that Disney's rolling out. So everyone's doing it a little different. And I guess... Eventually, they'll settle on something, right? I mean, it's, it's got to be one standard way to do this. Right. You, know, you can't just keep kind of trial and error. But uh, And it's interesting because Variety did a, um, uh, wrote a, a story today about a survey that was conducted about, you know, where people are at right now with their thoughts on going to the movie theater versus watching movies at home and all of this. And And mm -hmm. it was kind of interesting because... Um, if you look at the, they did a couple of surveys, one was general and then one was like specific to certain movies. So right. if you, it said, would you wait to watch a must see movie at home for 20 bucks? 
and they the it was basically uh, definitely watch first at a movie theater, probably watch first at a movie theater. Not sure, don't care. Probably wait and watch at home, or definitely wait and watch at home. Right, that was the scale, and. It, Based on a 90-day window, which is what we have now, right? Well, we did. The 90-day window before a movie actually gets to home release, right? From the time it gets released in theaters. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, basically 44% of the people that responded said they either would definitely or probably wait and watch it at home. And 27% said they would either definitely or probably watch it first in the movie theater. And then there's 29% that said, not sure, don't care. I'm going to take the not sure, don't cares as basically meaning they're not going to the theater, right? Because you would know if you wanted to go to a movie theater. I mean, I don't see how you could be like, I'm not sure. If you're not sure... You're not running out opening weekend to watch a movie, probably. Definitely not. Yeah, yeah you're not. A, you're not like a crazed fanboy, fangirl where you're Correct. like, I've got to see this movie yeah. the moment it drops. Exactly. And it sounds like it, that's a very, very small percentage of people, really. Sure. Twenty-seven percent that would want to go to the theaters, yeah. and everyone else is either like, either impartial or. I'd rather just wait. Right, and even if like, you take that, that speaks volume. Even if you cut that 29-30% of the don't know uh, not sure don't cares in half, right? And give half to the one side, half to the other. I mean, you're still talking about an overwhelming, you know, majority now, you know, 50 um, you know, 59 almost 60% basically would right. say they they would wait at home. Now, here's the interesting thing. They did it based on 90 days 30 days between theatrical and home release, 17 days between theatrical and home release, which is the model that AMC and Universal are going to be using once that deal kicks in, right? They're going to have that 17-day window, and then it's going to be able to go to premium video on demand. Also, seven days and then no wait time. So that would no wait time would be what's happening like with Bill and Ted, simultaneous, on demand and in theaters. The numbers don't really shift that dramatically, which is interesting for 90, 30, and 17 days, and even seven days. Well, really more the 17 days. The numbers pretty much stay the same, Uh, you know, give or take here or there. Where you get into now like seven days, that shifts. So when you talk about seven-day difference, the numbers become overwhelming in favor of it's 56% said they either probably or definitely would wait to watch it at home. Of course. Yeah. It's like, what's a week with the same 28% saying they're not sure. And then you have no wait time, which is the bill and Ted model. No wait right. time gets you to 57% would probably or definitely wait to watch it at home. That's- so, so people are basically saying, you know, I probably am going to wait to watch it at home, but the sooner I can get to watch it, the less chance you have of getting me to go out to a theater to watch it, which I think that's something that bodes very well for the future of, not well for the theaters, but very well for the no. future of video on demand. Although when you look at the individual movie breakdown, it's a little bit more of an interesting story, and, and I, it drives me crazy when people look at numbers and don't apply the proper context to them, because what I saw was, in, especially even in this article, they say, oh, well, this, these numbers look better for the theaters, 
but they really don't. Right. So if you look at the it, this one was how and when would you prefer to watch these movies? And it was I only want to see this in a movie theater. I prefer seeing this in a theater, but I'm okay with watching it at home instead. And I don't care about seeing this in the theater. I want to watch it right now at home instead. Right. So those are the that's your right. scale. So for yep. Tenant, fifty four percent said they would prefer seeing this in the theater, but I'm okay watching at home instead. And 30% said, I don't care about seeing this in the theater. I want to watch it right now at home. So that's 84% of the people that responded are basically saying, I'm okay with, or I'm either okay with, or I'm absolutely going to watch this at home. Yeah. 16% said, I only want to see this in a movie theater. And the same numbers hold. How you can confuse, how how you could tip the scales and say, this looks really good for the theater. Sure. No. Wonder Woman 84, almost identical numbers. Uh, Off by one percentage point. Top Gun Maverick. So there was that idea of an event of event film. Yeah, Top Gun Maverick, very similar numbers. Black Widow. I mean, the numbers are almost identical for all of these movies. No Time to Die, A Quiet mm. Place Part Two, Fast and Furious Nine, and Mulan. I mean, they're all within the same range. There is not a single one of these movies that got even twenty percent response from people that said, "I only want to see a movie in theaters." The largest for that group was Top Gun Maverick 19%. So That's not good. No, it's not and it it really tells you that and and this is not now okay, you want to argue that if you're asking people now in the time of COVID, it, it may skew those numbers a bit. Okay, that's fine. I'll give you that. But I actually think this is bigger than that. I think this is people's general opinions. And I really do believe sure. that the people that rush out, that want to rush out to the movies right away, are the absolute diehard fans who are just, they need to see the movie, right? It's not even right. about seeing it in the theaters. I think people rush out to see movies opening weekend because they need to see it. And that's the only way they can see it. But if you give them an alternative, now you're splitting that audience. Even the hardcore audience that wants to see it opening weekend, you're splitting that audience between people who want to experience it on the big screen versus people who just need to see it. And I think You know the other... Go ahead. I was going to say, the thing, the the piece of context that I think is is missing in all of this as well, and it it almost kind of comes through in the seven-day like waiting seven days is the, the cult, the FOMO, right? Like fear of missing out of that cultural moment sure. and conversation. And I think that the closer you get to connecting yeah. a, an in-theater experience to a, a video on demand means that you're not going to miss out, right? You can participate in a moment at the theater, like at the theater or at home mm-hmm. and still be a part of the conversation yes. regardless. Exactly. Not worried. Right? And also not have to worry about spoilers, not have to worry about exactly. any of that stuff. Yeah. I, I think yeah. that that plays a very big role. And, and that's kind of what I was saying. Yeah. I mean, so it it's, you know, we always assume that people that are rushing out to the theaters opening weekend are doing it because they, they want that experience. It's, I think there's more, uh, it's more of what you were just saying, more of this, like, I need to experience the movie and I, there's no alternative for me. You know, the other right. thing we have to look at too is, you know, in the broader scope, uh, you know, 
less and less people are going to see movies in theaters now, right? I mean, we know that. That's the whole adjusted for inflation stuff. That's really the only time that that makes a difference is when you you compare how fewer people are going to movies now than they were before. You know, a a lot less people have to go see a movie now for it to make $100 million than, you know, years ago. So less people go to the theaters. And so I think in general, you know, we tend to have this idea that like everybody rushes out to theaters, but not really. There's a really big majority of people, especially in this country, that are experiencing their movies in other ways. Um, And I know that even just in my experiences, like a lot of the people that I talk to, you know, outside of like this universe that we have here, um, like they like movies. They see all the movies, but very few of them see it in theaters. Right. You know, Mm. and and I think that that's telling and that's a sign of the times. And I think that ultimately, you know, we needed to get to this point. This might be much faster than I'm sure the theaters would have wanted and much faster than anybody maybe would have expected. But we were going to get to this point eventually. Uh, It was destined to happen. And, you know, I I'm okay with it. I'm fine getting my movies at home. Uh, opening weekend and watching them, uh, there are very yeah. few movies that I'm gonna feel like I want. I'm gonna need to experience on the big screen, and I don't think any of them are gonna come out this year. Not because of the movies. Yep. I mean, like Wonder Woman eighty four. I I mean that's my most anticipated movie of this year. But right. I'm I'd be loving life if I could get that opening weekend at home. Uh, and it's not I even mean, about COVID. It's just about convenience. Like, I can watch it on I'm, my I'm 100% time. With you. Yeah, watch it on my time, and, anytime, however many times I want, multiple times. If I if I love it, I could watch it again the next day and not have to. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I could watch it the yeah. next that night again if I really want to. Have to pay pay for it. Yeah, man. absolutely. Yeah, that's that's. A, I mean, you, the the replayability of it, yeah. right? And being able to really just immerse yourself in something that you love right away uh, man that's that to me is that's dope that's amazing that's true you know, yeah that's you know what i'm saying part. like yeah just just being able to go i need to see that again shit i ain't gonna go, <laughs> I ain't got anything to go to do i'm gonna watch it one more time you know or two more times or whatever um and you know it's funny i i was just thinking about like little things that you know theater theater chains have have done to kind of or the theater Businesses try to to kind of spruce up the experience with 3D. I'm like, that's going out the window. 3D is. I think this this puts puts the kibosh on 3D because yes. if you're streaming stuff at home, no one has yeah. 3D glasses anymore. They killed all that experience. So that's done, right? So there goes your markup there because you're gonna pay for that. And then the other thing too is I and I looked while we were on uh, kind of having this conversation. I looked to see uh, what what the deal was with um, with Bill and Ted, and they're offering it in 4K off the bat. Yeah. And so my, and most theaters and so most movies are in 4K. You just don't notice that, or they're actually I think they're even in higher resolution than yeah, that. Yeah, like 8K maybe, 8K, but yeah. it doesn't. You don't. You can't see any any difference there. Um, but if you're getting that kind of experience, like the moment that movie comes out and you've got a 4K TV, like pfft, more power to you. Enjoy it. Enjoy it because you're gonna get it. You're gonna end up having a better experience visually. At, and I say this lightly, but, but, you know, for, I'm a cinephile and I love, you know, making sure that I've got the best picture quality possible. Like I'm going to enjoy that film off the bat because I'm sitting at home and it's just more brilliant than it would have been in a theater. Mm. Yeah. 
Now, would you pay? Are you going to pay twenty five bucks to buy it opening weekend, or are you going to wait to see? What are you talking about? Pre-ordered it. You pre-ordered it already. I told you. I told you I was going to get it. Yeah. Okay. So you didn't even want to wait to see if there was like a rental option. You knew you were going to own it, and didn't matter, right? Going to watch it. So there you go. So uh, share the password, bro. Well, Sweet. it doesn't even do that. It just goes right to my Apple TV account. Yeah. I'm just kidding. So you would have now, but you would have, let's just say this was a, a normal time. Uh, if you can remember back that far to when life was normal. Uh, and none of this was an option. Would you have been an opening weekend guy at the theater for this? Probably not. Because as we've as I've mentioned many times, I, I have to pick and choose you know, time to break away from the, from the family. Cause I'd be going solo. Like that's the oh. thing. Right. So I'd be going by myself now in, in terms of like the money spent, it's probably about equal because movie ticket would have co- cost me, you know, 16 bucks. And then you factor in like the popcorn and all the extra shit I would have bought, like for the theater. Yeah. I mean, it's probably about even, but now I still get to have that experience with my wife. We don't have to separate anymore, right? Like where it's like, right. I, okay, I'm I'm having a, a solo dude's night out. And I'm going to go to the theater by myself. Like she gets to enjoy it now versus like me coming back reporting in like, babe, that movie was so funny. You would have loved that movie. Right. Or wait, having to wait. You know, and then we have to rent it anyways, and I have to yeah. see it. So I would have spent that money on top anyway. And and it winds up being a better deal anyway because you're owning it for twenty five bucks. So that that movie ticket, that sixteen dollars, that's a one time shot for you. Right. Yeah. Now for twenty five bucks, you own it, even if you didn't like it. It's like all right, whatever. Um, I, mean, I own Suicide Squad. Right. Me too. <laughs> so do I. Yeah. <laughs> And we're we're part of that. So it's interesting. So now here, and the reason why I asked that, and I'm glad you actually mentioned that with Suicide Squad, because that's the point. Is so like you and I, we're that person, right? We're collectors, right? We're people that will own movies that we didn't even. I own Justice League, right? Um, you know, there's movies that we own. I own Superman Four. Well, I know you love it, but I own it. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a completionist. I'm a, a collector. So I own those movies and, but we're also the people that would usually run out right away to want to see a movie. And here we are perfectly fine with getting these movies at home, realizing that there's actually a greater upside for us, right? To getting yeah. it at home. And so you would have bought the movie anyway, probably. No, 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 no. So, so here's a, So Suicide Squad is a little different for me because I didn't get a chance to see Suicide Squad, uh, in the theater. That movie came out, what, 2016? Yeah. So August. So you actually had even less of a reason to own it. Yeah. So yeah, my daughter was, my daughter was born at around the time that movie dropped. So I couldn't get a chance to see it. And, and then I was like, Oh, you know, I, I heard people saying like, "Oh, it's not good," but like the money it was making money, you know, in the box office. So I was like, "All these people can't be wrong. I should go check it out." And I watch it, and I was like, "Oh my god, mm. oh my god! I can't believe I paid full price for this movie. Holy shit!" And yeah, so but but you know, to that to that end, I mean, there are movies without a doubt that I've like been so so about that I that I own anyways. You know what I mean? Because because to that point, I'm a completionist. Like I. Walked out of BVS and I was like, ah, I still own it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, 
Yeah, I mean, hey, Bill and Ted, I adore those films, those first two films. Um, and as I said, I'm not going to the theater anytime soon, and I don't want that kind of movie. I don't want a movie like Bill and Ted in my mind to just slip in the background because in the I'm going to have to make the call on some of these other films that are coming out, and I don't want Bill and Ted to fall to the wayside either. Like I like, I kind of want to see that movie. You know what I mean? It's a fun, it's stupid. I think we all need that kind of movie. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, you know. So I'm gonna like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna put in on it because. And the other thing too is, and I've said this before, I believe in this. Like I believe in this product. I believe in the evolution of the of the streaming services and i gotta i gotta support because this is technology you know what i'm saying right. this is like i don't know what, what's gonna happen to theaters like they're gonna have to do something real crazy to get more people back in the seats if that's even a thing um but i'm cool with the let's just netflix and chill or mm. let's bill and ted and chill you know what i mean yeah. we're, we're gonna we're gonna buy uh bill and ted too i think because we're both interested in watching it and i almost feel like i almost feel like there is some sort of fomo now with this as well you know mm-hmm. like with mulan i feel like by the time i get to it if i don't buy it i'm gonna feel like i'm missing out on something mm-hmm. and i want to do it just well, because I really want to watch the movie um, and and also to be like, yeah, I streamed it, you know? Right. <laughs> it's so yeah. silly. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's, I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, remember, I, we talked a couple episodes back, maybe in the last episode we talked about, no, two episodes ago, we talked about Hamilton and how Disney was probably kicking themselves in the face for like, oh, we should have charged for Hamilton. Yep. Because it created a huge cultural moment where everybody was talking about it. Everybody was like right, raving about it and, and having conversation about it. And they're like, man, had we just charged $15, we'd have been rolling it. Well, people maybe. Char- I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, a lot of that, though, how many people watched Hamilton that because it was, for, first of all, it came out right in the middle of like lockdowns right mm-hmm. but also Ooh, it was it free like a you month know, ago the fact that it was free though i think made more pe- people i know that watched hamilton that never would have paid for it mm. you know so i do think there was probably a trade-off i mean everyone's handling things very differently and that's the other thing i mean i think you're going to start to see not only a hybrid of like theater versus video on demand but i also think you're going to start to see hybrids of like theater video on demand and then like other ways that they're going to release these movies into the home. So, like, did you know there's yeah. a new SpongeBob movie out? No. SpongeBob Sponge on the Run. It actually has been released theatrically, like, in Canada, right? But okay. here in the United States, they didn't do it, send it to video on demand. They put it directly on CBS All Access, which is, That's hilarious. you know, the, the streaming service that, you know, their own streaming mm-hmm. service, basically. So, mm-hmm. like, there's all of these Paramount. different... Yeah, the Paramount, CBS, yeah. So, it's mm-hmm. all of this, these different types of ways that they're delivering content. And some people are going pay models. Some people are going to, let's see if we could benefit our streaming services. I mean, you can't have everything be... So, if you're Disney, everything can't be pay-per-view or whatever you want to call it, right? I mean, right. you do have to still give people value for their Disney Plus subscription. Um, And, you know, a CBS All Access, the same thing. Like, they're also using it to boost that. Um, 
And that's okay. I mean, that's what they should be doing. That's the advantage. Not everything is made for the theaters. Not everything makes sense in the theaters. Uh, and to me, kids like stuff. Oh, um, that's like a mix. It's that's tailor an old made. Right yeah, tailor made for video on demand rental and also for using it as a way to boost your streaming services. Because um, I'm sure there's a lot of you know people that are going to be. Even though I know SpongeBob is, you know, there's adult jokes and stuff like that. If you want to pick them out, but like it's a kid show, so. Kids are going to be watching that, you know, for parents that have CBS All Access. And people will maybe get for six ninety nine a CBS All Access subscription so that their kids can watch the SpongeBob thing. And then, again, we've talked a lot about churn and all that stuff. I mean, 75% of people that subscribe to a service either through a free trial or just for one month or whatever, don't they, they stay on for at least another month, right? They don't cancel the right. subscription right away. So, And, you know, it's funny because... When you were talking about, you know, people kind of getting used to this new world of, you know, video on demand and 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 not going to the theater, I feel like once we get into the groove of paying for that content, like the the content we would be normally seeing in the theater, it's just going to become normal. Mm-hmm. Like we're not even going to think twice about it anymore. Well, it's like the subscription. Yeah, stuff. I mean, the thing is, here's the thing. For me, you know, when I go, when I want to watch a movie at home or if I, if I want to, if it's a movie that I really like in the theater, I'm going to buy it, right? Now, mostly digital back, you know, previously it would be Blu-ray, whatever, DVD. Um, So I tend to want to own in one way, shape or form movies that I really love. Um, So... I'm cutting out one extra step and one extra fee, right? So now if I can pay to own it right away, well, now I'm not paying to watch it in the theater and then still having to pay to own it a few months down the road. So I don't, I won't ever have a problem for a movie that I really want to see. I'm never going to have a problem buying it because whether I buy a ticket, because if I, if I buy it to go see a ticket to buy you know, see the movie in the theater. And then if I like it, well, then I'm going to want to buy it again. Right. And if I go to buy a ticket to see a movie in the theater and I didn't like it, well, I still paid to go to the theater to watch it. So I still paid to see it. Right. Um, so either way I'm paying once for it now. (laughs) And it's like, so that doesn't change for me. So financially, like the finances of it don't really change for me. Um, that much. I, I don't really have much of an issue with that. I'm so used to buying movies now digitally, especially, um, that I won't even think twice if it's something that I really want to see, whether it's, you know, a new movie opening weekend or whether it's something that, you know, came out yeah. two years ago. Um, we've, we've become big renters. Like I've been renting movies a lot, a lot more, um, like recent, you know, recent new stuff. But like, since I've, jumped onto like HBO Max and Peacock and all this other stuff um like Disney Plus it's become become a little harder for me to rent stuff because a lot of it's already out there yeah you know what i mean like it's all right in front of me and i'm like i can't turn it down now i'm just going to have to watch it's like they just dropped birds of prey on HBO Max yeah that was surprising you know yeah well, you know, it's funny. We say we, they just dropped it, but that was like six months ago. Well, it was. And it also, it wasn't just HBO Max. I mean, it actually premiered on HBO. 
um, right. last weekend because right. a, a couple of people that I know were like, oh, we watched Birds of Prey. It was like the Saturday night movie on HBO this weekend. Um, and because right. all of a sudden, I, I, I mean, I haven't been on Twitter much. All of a sudden, I see like, or actually, it wasn't even on Twitter. It was on Facebook. A whole bunch of people saying, oh, like, you know, so-and-so is watching Birds of Prey. I was like, why the hell right. are these people watching Birds of Prey all of a sudden? And I didn't even realize it had premiered on HBO. Um, right. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it is six months. But think about that, though. I mean, six months from the time it released theatrically to the time. I mean, it's actually now on HBO. That's that's still yeah. a fairly quick turnaround time when you consider. Um, but sure. that's going mean, to happen a lot now. Yeah, I mean that's going to happen right. more often now. You're going to, and we we mentioned this already, right? The stages yeah. of film, right? Where theater, uh, then it goes to home media. You know, back then it would be physical media, Blu-ray, whatever. Right. Then it went to pay TV. Then it went to television, right. and then whatever streaming service. That's all changing now. So that stuff is all going to be rapid. So again, you know, we've said it a thousand times, like. The people who want to wait and just wait till the movie comes on HBO or comes on a streaming service or that they already have or whatever, they're going to have to wait less and less time for that to happen. Mm -hmm. And that's also going to factor into people's ability to want to go to a theater. People's Because it moves the timetable up for everybody, right? So now the people who were only going to the theaters opening weekend to go or at all because they needed to see the movie and that's the only way to see it. Well, now you have your option to watch it at home. You're paying for it, but you're watching it at home. You're also owning it in theory, right? You may not. Maybe you're renting it. But in a lot of people may be owning those movies. So it also expedites that process, right? So the 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 owning it at home and watching it at home portion of the program merge into one, right, with the theaters. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. now it's the people who want to sit back and wait for it to come on HBO or Showtime or whatever. They're the ones who are really going to be positively affected by this because they're going to, within a matter of six months and maybe even less at points, they'll be able to watch that movie. Um, and and I think people will start watching movies more and more that way because by the time a movie does get to HBO or whatever, it's not it's still going to be fairly fresh. You know, mm-hmm. like people that mm-hmm. I know that watched Birds of Prey last weekend, it was like watching like a, a fresh new movie for them because it hasn't been that long. Um, and, and also because of everything going on, like you said, like it's people kind of disconnected from certain things or whatever but yeah i mean all of that is shifting and you know we're gonna see i mean you know it's it's not different any different from the conversations that you know i used to have with people um in the late 90s about music and how we consumed music it's not that much different from the conversations you and i were having like when we started this podcast about the future of television right right, and streaming services and that you know, it's when we were when we started talking about that, which was only a couple of years ago. Um, I mean, it, things were very different. I mean, think about when we started these conversations, right, about the future of television and streaming services, and we were talking about the future being like content providers owning their own streaming services, right, and providing hmm. their own content. And I mean, right, now right. here we are, less than two years later. Uh, and that's where we're at. Like it's already become a thing and it happened very quickly. 
You know, now, I mean, Disney Plus wasn't even a thought when we were talking about that. You know, Peacock, uh, CBS All Access, well, CBS All Access was, and that was sort of the model. But, you know, Peacock and Disney, HBO Max and Disney Plus, I mean, they weren't, I mean, these things weren't even a thing that long ago, you know? And it's like, all of a sudden, here it is. So I think this is the same type of conversation. And I think six months from now, a year from now, we're going to be like, man, remember when we first started talking about how, you know, the changing times of like cinema and movies and stuff like that? Because I think by this time next year, like, I mean, it's, it's this is going to be very normalized. Yeah, I think we're going to be yeah, watching movies if we want. We're going to be buying movies from home opening weekend. Bird. Yeah, that's crazy how quickly it's happened and how quickly we, we got used to it, you know? Yeah, people get used to things quickly now. I mean, because so it's... So quickly. Because of technology, it's not that difficult. Like, the learning curve now is just not that different because mm. you know people were using netflix and hulu and stuff like that for a long time amazon video before these other services became a thing so by the time disney plus hit by the time peacock hit and hbo max and all that stuff people had become so used to using netflix and hulu that it was just like oh it's just another similar thing right the learning curve wasn't that great. Like I, I can remember like i mean i'm dating myself here but like you know years and years ago you know, VCRs and DVD players, like that was a learning curve, <laughs> right? Like it was different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when you went for, when the first VCRs came out, I was like, wait, what? Or I mean, at least the home ones. And then when, when you went to DVD, it was like, wait, how does this work? Like, this is wild. And you got to get a new device and it's like, I'm not set up for it. And do I, then when HDTV became a thing, it was like, wait, how does this work? I don't have the right TV. I need a special connector for my TV to make and all of this stuff. But now it's just like, it's just, we're adding an app to something that we already have. So it's, it's not even that different, you know, again, and not having that learning curve, that sharp learning curve makes it so much easier for people to just dive in now to something new. Um, Cause it's right. already going to be integrated into a model that they, you know, you're not getting a new TV because a new streaming service comes out. You know, you've got to get a new device because a new streaming service comes out. Right. You just right. tack right. it on to whatever you have. And it's, it's the navigation is pretty much the same. Uh, most people can figure it out now. So I think that that's also helping to expedite this. Um, it's even different like with music. I mean, when music started to shift, like there was a, things were different. Like you had to like, wait, what do you mean? Like the CD, what do you mean? Like MP3s and, and what's an iPod and you know, all of that stuff. And that was very different for people to have to figure out. This is not that. You know, this is tacking on to an already existing infrastructure. And I think that's why it's happening so much faster. Um, And the ease, how accessible everything is and how easy it is, is just going to play into people's hands. I mean, especially now, right? During times like this where you, you know, people have been home. um, People are cautious, right? You're you're trying to figure out how you want to spend your time. You know, time is precious, um. Uh, yeah, it's perfect to have something that's convenient. That's I think what what most people want these days. So we'll right. we'll have to see how this thing continues to evolve. Um, and and how theaters play it out. You know, I mean, the theater is going to have to start to become 
more than just a place to see a movie, I think, right? I mean, if, if it's got to become some type of a, an experience that makes it worthwhile for people to to go there and to, you know, spend and that, it in. that to me, that is so hard to even put my finger on what, what that could be, you know? Yeah. I mean, they've already it, tried it, with that, bars and food delivery to your chair and recliners. And, you know, they tried with 3D. That didn't really work. IMAX was a thing that's, you know, hit or miss. I mean, that's kind of a niche thing. Um, so they've tried all these different things, the 4D, all that way, like you smell things and your seat rocks and it moves <laughs> with the stuff. Like, yeah, all that stuff is, I mean, they've tried all these different gimmicks and whatnot to try to make it more of an experience, something you're not going to be able to get at home. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know how much more they can do. I, I don't think there is. I Other than starting to bundle things together, right? Um you know, you're going to have to start giving people value. It's to the point now where you're going to be able, I think you're going to be able to charge people more money to watch it at home than you are to get them to leave their house to go to the theater. So the theater value is going to have to go up. You have to maybe bundle in like here, you come to the theater and we'll give you, you know, a code that'll unlock like three free digital movies from whatever studio, you know, is is host, you know, uh, uh, um, produce the film that you're going to see or release the film you're going to see. You know, you're going to have to get package deals where, you know, hey, bring the family for one price of whatever. Like, they're going to have to start doing stuff like that to increase value. Um, Right. I think that's the first thing. I was going to say, Vanessa, you sent sent the text to us, I think, uh, a couple of days ago about how Warner Brothers was basically holding theaters hostage uh, with some requirements, right? Oh yeah, it was um it was something I saw on the IndieWire Instagram page and uh basically the caption that they had said that advanced ticket sales for a tenant would begin this Friday, August 21st, right? Um for 3 days of sneak previews that start Monday, August 31st. So they said to participate in tenant theaters must agree to pay Warner Brothers 63% of the gross. And to uphold mask wearing uh, safety standards, sixty three percent of the gross. I mean, theaters are already like they almost went, you know, completely bankrupt and shut, uh, and now they have to give up such a high percentage of their sales plus whatever you know expenses that they have with paying staff and you know supplies and and all of those things. Um, so. They are just hanging by a thread, and um, yeah, like what? What do you guys think of that? Sixty-three percent. What do you think? I mean, it's it, the theater. The studios have all the leverage right now, right? I mean, yeah. they, they have a product that is scarce, and because there's not a thousand movies coming out right now, and I don't know if that's something that's going to last forever, because you know there is going to be a time when you're going to have more movies being released. But I think everybody knows, I mean, look, we've been talking about it now for weeks and weeks and weeks. I mean, Tenet was the movie that, you know, the studio was holding out. They wanted it to be like one of the first or the first of the big movies that would be in theaters when they reopened, probably for this reason, because they realized that, you know, this is going to be a movie that if any movie is going to get people to, you know, leave their homes and go to the theaters right now, it's going to be for this movie. 
Not apparently. Not not according to the variety. Uh. Well, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, not according to that. But in but I mean, look, people theater, are gonna yes. the people that are going to the theaters, right? I mean, they're gonna go. They're gonna go there not to see New Mutants. They're gonna go there to see Tenant. Um, I mean, the, the theaters don't have a lot of leverage. They've lost a ton of money. Um, because they haven't been operating, they weren't doing well financially even pre-pandemic, and they just need to figure out a way to put butts in seats right now. And if that means taking a, a lesser split, I think they're okay with that because ultimately they're going to make money on concessions and things like that anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. But it is interesting. Who knows what that's going to look like? Well, yeah, but but it'll be interesting to see. Um, how this ties into the future because right. if they can get it you know if they get the 63% then other studios are going to say well wait a minute you know that that's what we want now and then if mm-hmm. these studios start to i'll say collude i mean that's not a good term but if they do start to get into that where they say hey look there's strength in numbers let's band together here and and you know, if we all agree that we're going to try to want sixty three percent, then uh, maybe we could get it for everything. Um, that will probably further hurt the theaters uh, even more. Uh, so yeah, but I mean, look, you got they Warner Brothers decided to hold Tenant out for a theatrical release. They have a lot of money; they have to recoup on that. So, considering the fact that it, there's going to be less people going to see it less opportunity for people to go see it in theaters. They don't it doesn't look like they're doing any type of video on demand, right? Option for that right now. So oh, I have no idea. Yeah, I mean we haven't heard about it if they have. So I mean if this is going to be a theater thing, a theatrical release only for now, they need to maximize as much as they can, you know, in these first, you know, this first month or so. Um and they're the only game in town for a little while as far as like to that scope so hey, yeah. great, good for them. You know, you know. I guess we're gonna find out. You know what the initial wave of I actually don't want to use the word wave, but what the initial attendance is going to be. I mean, to be fair, the variety poll only polled. It says like more than a thousand people. Yes. So maybe that might not be a complete, you know, representation um, of everybody. And I kind of have a feeling that you're going to see a bigger attendance than we might think there there is. I don't know, it's just a Yeah, I mean just, it's just tough. a just a hunch. I mean most most polls will, you know, they limit their numbers just for that, but the thing is that it's not just you you also don't know how many people they're going to be able to put in the theaters, right? So it's they're they're not going to be at 100% capacity. So depending on the theater, uh, you know, they're not going to be able to use all of their seats. So that's going to factor in. Um, there are going to be less people going to the theaters. And you also have to remember that New York is not going to be one of those places where theaters are going to be open. So yeah. that's your number one market. Um, so you're dealing with smaller markets for the most part. You're not even dealing with, you know, you're only talking about three to 600 theaters across the country you know, that are open. Um, that's not a lot. Even if they, you know, do somehow get to 3,000 or so screens um, because they, you know, have it playing in five, on five screens at a time in some of these theaters, um, the 
the amount of people per screening is going to be down just because of numbers, right? Social distancing and all of that stuff. So I, I think there's yeah. a lot working against it. We're not really going to have a true sense of, of um, you know, what movie theater attendance will be like from tenant because of those, a lot of those reasons. I mean, mm-hmm. if New York mm-hmm. and LA mm-hmm. and all these other places were up and running, even at, you know, with restricted attendance and all that stuff, then I'd say, yeah, maybe we could get a little bit better feel for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that between fear of going out right now and restrictions on the number of people you can have in your theater, also restrictions on the number of theaters that are actually going to be open it's really going to, it's going to be very difficult to say, you know, what this thing is, what it means, because I'm thinking more for next year. I, I've written off this year, right. right? I'm thinking about like, what is the future of theaters? What is the future of cinema? And this year is not really going to be able to tell us much, I don't think, other mm. than the fact that you're giving everybody now a year ish to get very comfortable watching movies from home. And yep. regardless yeah. of what your, you know, pandemic, no pandemic, vaccine, no vaccine, all of that stuff, people become very comfortable very quickly with things. And I think that if you give people enough time, just like they got very comfortable listening to MP3s and then they got very comfortable listening to Spotify and Pandora, you know, just like people have always become comfortable over time with whatever the new thing is, you're giving people an opportunity to get very comfortable. I mean, look, there was a time in this country when they said people would never pay for radio. People would never pay for television. And people wound up paying for... Now it's like weird when you don't pay for television, right? Now it's weird. <laughs> I mean, now satellite radio, people say, well, who the hell's ever... I mean, I was working in radio when satellite radio became a thing and people were like, well, nobody's going to pay for radio. People have been getting radio for free for longer than they had television for free. You know, but people started paying for radio. And then, you know, things like Spotify and Pandora, people paid, you know, so people can get comfortable very quickly with things. And if you're giving people a year to get comfortable watching movies at home and getting used to Netflix. And so it's not just, you know, we're talking a lot about because it's the story, like video on demand and like immediate release and all that stuff and new releases and things like that. We really also have to understand the impact that this pandemic has had on streaming services where we look at the increases in subscribers and viewership of these streaming services. People have discovered now that there is an insane amount of content available with their existing... I mean, there are people who probably have been paying for Netflix for years that didn't even realize how much stuff is on it. And I think a lot of things are going to be affected by that. I think television in general is going to be affected by it. And I certainly think movie theaters and things like that are going to be affected by it. Because I think people are going to reevaluate now that, I mean, how often do you have an opportunity where you can spend months, whatever it was, two months, three months, six months, home, you know, just watching stuff, right? Because that was pretty much all you could do. And by doing that, you get a really good idea of what your viewing habits are, like what you, you're able to do, what you're capable of watching, you know, what you need, what you don't need. You know, I, I think people are going to start evaluating that. You know, why am I paying for this if I didn't never watched it? And this I watched constantly. I mean, it's like me with YouTube right now. 
you know, realizing how much I watch YouTube now on weekends versus the streaming services that I paid for. I mean, so I'm going through a thing now myself where, you know, within the next few months, I'm going to start reevaluating things I pay for and, hmm. and versus that because of like how my viewing habits have shifted once I realized how much content was available to me, you know, based on what I already had. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that th all of that's going to get factored into this. And I think that now if people get comfortable being home, I, I don't know that, especially families, right? Especially, you know, again, I use, mm -hmm. you know, Aaron as the example, because again, it's tough to get out there and go to the movies sometimes. Well, you don't have to anymore. Uh, yeah. I, that's, that's a, that's a powerful thing, man, you know? So yeah, the future is definitely here. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the future of theaters are right now. Um, <laughs> but ironically, people are loving drive-in theaters right now, which was also part of that survey, which, I mean, I don't know if that's a long-term thing or not. That could very much just be a product of, of the time. Yeah, for sure. You know? I mean, once once winter comes, you know, that's not going to be of course. Yeah. sustainable. Um, but I'd like to go to a drive-in. Yeah. I've never done that. No, I'd rather stay home. <laughs> <laughs> I did a drive-in a very, very, very long time ago. Uh, and it was, I mean, it's good, fine, you know, but I'd rather just stretch out on my couch. <laughs> you know, and I got a brand new couch, too, with that, so for sure. There you go. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how that's going to work. I mean, <clears throat> every week we're, we're just on our toes, you know? And it, and it changes so quickly every week. So for sure, the saga continues. Yes, yes. Speaking <laughs> of saga, sagas continuing. Our boy Ray Fisher, Ooh. yeah, bringing some additional heat now. He's getting a lot of criticism these days because he just doesn't seem to spill all the beans. He just gives you a bean at a time. He's just dropping some tea, tea bags here and there. Um. <laughs> so apparently he's called out now Jeff Johns again um, Saying you know and I'm paraphrasing here that He was summoned to his office And essentially Johns made a threat To his career um, Nothing really More than that but you know again Summoned to, some to the, the quote unquote Boss's office to be belittled And then uh, You know he just continues to speak Speak his truth and what his experience has been But meanwhile very interesting story rolled out this week uh, from Patty Jenkins and her experience working with Jeff Johns, which is like polar opposite, talks about great partnership and, you know, how much love and admiration she has for the man and, you know, how much inspiration he's been, what an inspiration he's been to her. And so you're getting to very, you know, different. And of course, everyone everyone's experience with a person can be very different. Sure. Um, but it's, you know, right. I, I would say that this, uh, <clears throat> this piece, uh, w wasn't, wasn't just pulled together out of nowhere. You know what I mean? This is definitely a, yeah. um, <laughs> this is one of those where it was orchestrated for sure. Yeah. I'm um, not, and it comes uh, off the heels of, of wonder woman 84. Yeah. I'm right? not sure that and, and people we do this all the time but i'm not not us meaning society i i'm not sure why we we have to do this but i don't know that 
taking one person's experience and comparing it to another person's experience as a way to say, well, that person got to be wrong. That, that doesn't make sense, right? Like you, two people could have two completely different experiences with a person or with anything and they could both be valid. So, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to use Patty Jenkins experiences with Jeff Johns as a way to say, well, Ray Fisher must be full of it. That doesn't make any sense. And that's not accurate. Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, everybody, and I'm not saying Jeff Johns is a terrible person, but I'm just going to make, I mean, this is just a point I'm making. Like there are awful people. There have been awful people in the world. Right. And those people have been somebody's mentor. Those people have been somebody's father. Right. Or somebody's husband or wife or love interest or whatever. Like even like the worst people in the world, there's somebody that loves that person usually. Right. So it doesn't mean that and again, not that Jeff Johns is that, but it, the, the point is Ray Fisher's had his issues, right? He's, he's making them somewhat known. He had a problem with Jeff Johns, obviously. The fact that Patty Jenkins had a fantastic experience with him, again, doesn't change Ray Fisher's experience. It just tells you that there's two people that had two very different experiences with the same right. person. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it's not even a matter of like, well, which one do we believe? I probably believe both of them, you know, mm-hmm. uh, at least in their they they both. That's their experience, you know, and I I know that Jeff Jones has been a very polarizing figure to some DC, especially like DCEU people don't like Jeff Jones. Um, I get it. But, you know, I don't. uh I don't know. I, to me, that's just like a whole lot. It drives me nuts when I see that right away. It's like, oh, right. as soon as I saw that Patty Jenkins thing, I was like, oh, here we go. Now everybody's going to yeah. use this as a way that, to say, oh, see, Ray up. Fisher's full of it. You know, Patty Jenkins, who, you know, we adore, like she she likes him. She said he's fantastic. And it's like, all right, right. two things have nothing to do with each other, really. I mean. It, yeah, agreed. And in agreed. a way, I mean, it's the studio protecting itself. Of course. Right, because. You've got Wonder Woman 1984. You never know. People might, and I'm not saying it's going to be a gross number of people that are going to be like, oh, I'm boycotting, you know, Wonder Woman 1984 because of Ray Fisher and Jeff Johns. You know, that, that's not going to happen. No. But they, they, they do have to protect him as an asset to the company. And, uh, yeah, I mean, again, I wouldn't be surprised if it was all orchestrated. Of course, and that's fine. And, and But I don't think Patty Jenkins is lying. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's not like no, they went to her and said, no. hey, Patty, listen, we need you to do us a solid, make up some fluff about Jeff Johns just so we can, you know. No, I'm sure, again, people are, when you're in a creative role, you are going to have people that think you're great and you're going to have people that think you suck. That's just the way it right. is, right? That's just it's the way it's always going to be because you're in a, you're making creative decisions um, and they're your decisions and sometimes when you have to make a decision, you run the risk of pissing somebody off, but making somebody else happy. That's just the way things work sometimes. And, you know, if you're, it's difficult to be in that position as a decision maker, because you always run that risk of, you know, and the fact is Patty Jenkins is still attached to the studio, right? She's, you know, she's, got wonder woman 84 coming out i'm sure she's still in their plans right for another wonder woman movie and maybe other things we never know and you got ray fisher who's 
really not in the studio's plans. I mean, yes, he's in the Zack Snyder's Justice League, and we get that. But, I mean, he's not right now an active part of the studio's long-term plans. So, sure, if they want to put a spin, that's the route that they're going to go. I get it. Um, Yeah, it's just like, I'm like... I want to know more. <laughs> like he's just like giving you like little tidbits. I know he can't say much, but it's like the 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 tea is driving me a little bit hot and crazy. Yeah, I mean, and I don't know how much more you can give us though, right? Because I mean, he's got to oh, be careful I'm sure too. There's a lot more. Well, but I'm, I mean, he's got to be careful legally. Yeah, yeah, legally. Legally, yeah. yeah. That see, that's what sucks. Yeah. yeah. Because, no, it does, because, you know, if, if he wasn't treated fairly or there was some sort of misconduct or something there um, and he can't say anything about it, then I can see why, you know, he's just, mm. like, letting out, like, the air, like, just a little bit and trying to get as much out as he can without, you know, going against, I don't I know, mean, something at this he signed point, or whatever. You know, if you're... Sp- Starting small room fires, might as well just burn the house down. Yeah, I kind of you know, like yeah. It's just I think he's actually defeating. He's defeating his own purpose in a way because he's stringing it out versus just putting it all out there and and kind of like blowing it all up. Yeah, I mean, maybe he doesn't because now he just kind of looks like like it sounds. I don't want to say this, but he sounds like a little crybaby. Mm. Well, a lot of people, a lot of people feel the way that you do, though. A lot of people say like he's just complaining without, you know, really tackling a, a, an issue. And we don't know what the issue is, right? We don't know if okay. we don't know if there was like misconduct that happened. We don't know if like perhaps like a racist like statement was made. Like we don't know to what extent um, he like what attention you know, or topic he's like bringing attention to. So it's like, it's kind of been a little bit vague. Um, but yeah, like if he's going to like go there, then I don't know. Maybe, Dude, maybe go just there. like, just maybe just go there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, like, uh, what's his name? Peter Shinkoda was basically like, <laughs> I was, you know what I'm saying? He was like, uh, I was basically told like, you know, no one cares China, about like Asian American stories. Asian American yeah. Yeah, stories. Like no one cares about that stuff. So, you know, there's, yeah, there's a couple of ways you could look at this. And I've I've defended Ray Fisher plenty right on here um, because I think he should be able to speak his mind and whatever. But here's the thing. You do get to a point where even I'm sitting there saying, all right, guy, you know, listen, uh, you're either going to make a statement and make a point or you're just going to be throwing out these cryptic, vague things. And that doesn't benefit anybody doesn't benefit him right. it doesn't benefit the people he's talking about and it certainly doesn't benefit the fans or the studio or anything because it, it's not really giving you much I, I do think you're right I do think at some point you have to have a bigger point to all of this um yeah it's like it's it's like it's kind of like someone you know um like an actress coming out and saying like hey like this producer guy you know brought me up to his office and but didn't really divulge the details and then just kept like leaking out little things and it's like well what happened you know so he's saying that him and his agent were trying to take up like grievances up the proper chain of command right but it's like 
what were those grievances? Were those grievances that maybe perhaps like, I don't know, scenes got cut or dialogue got cut? Because that's a very different issue than if there were like bigger grievances like his, you know, I don't know, maybe like Joss Whedon and his like relationship on set weren't good. And maybe like Whedon said something to him that wasn't, you know, copacetic or whatever. So it's like, what is the level and the severity of these grievances you know yeah. are are they like yeah. I, I don't think i don't think it's a little matter you know i don't think it's like hey my scenes got cut or like my dialogue got cut what's the final movie going to look like because i kind of feel like i'm getting cut out of the movie perhaps you know but like what are those grievances i want to know and then like he's saying jeff johns made a threat to his career now so it's like come on, we're, we're getting such little tidbits, you know, this is why I really want to know more and how, and how serious it is now. Cause when yeah. he first came out, it almost seemed like, like, I don't know, just one of those, uh, I don't even want to say he was trying to get attention cause I don't think he, he was, but we didn't really know where it came from. And I think my, that, that was my initial thought was like, Oh, where did this come from? Cause it's been a few years and it just kind of feels like it came out of nowhere. And now we're just right. getting these like little, little, little tidbits and insights. So I do, I, I totally agree, you know, speak your mind. That's your Twitter page. Say what you got to say, you know, um, help people. But say what you got to say. But say exactly, say what you got to say, but say what you got to say. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, like, that should be a hashtag. Stop, yeah. Stop, stop jerking people around yeah. with this and, and like getting, you know, I think it's like every two weeks there's something, there's something a little new and it's like, what what's going on with this Ray Fisher saga, dude? Like just say it for what it is, man. And, yeah. and you know, if you, if you are standing up against certain injustices that were done or made against you, then stand up. Don't start from right, a kneeling right. position saying, and right. take he's a knee saying, and crouch. Right. And he's slowly saying, work you know, yourself up like, to a stand. His thing at the end of his post, it's, you know, accountability over entertainment, right? He says like A with like the right. greater a than sign greater e. than, yeah. Well, then let's bring forward the accountability part a little bit more instead of the entertainment because we're all sipping on that tea, you know, like mm, what's going on. But right. let's bring out the accountability part because I don't care if you're Jeff Johns. I don't care if you're Patty Jenkins. I don't, I don't care who you are. If you're doing something that's, you know, not what you're supposed to be doing and you're hurting another person or another actor or you're making threats to someone's career and you're in a position of power and there could be, let's say, an instance of like systemic racism at play or whatever, then yeah, like you deserve to be held accountable, you know? So if you're going to like be a whistleblower and be that person, then you're right. Like you kind of have to go all the way there. You can't just like throw little tips here and there and make people figure it out because eventually if it is a really big deal and you want to hold that person accountable your tactics spread out is really not going to make as big of yeah. an impact because yeah. we're going to move on to something else or we're going to forget or we're going to say you're not you're not reliable but you know he loses all credibility in that approach right it's like to your point about the whistleblowing it's like the reason why they call it a whistleblower is because they're like super loud about it, right? And you're like, this is what's going down. Like he's doing a little dog whistle. 
Yeah, unless like unless they're really like <laughs> unless no unless like he's really being threatened, <laughs> then no, you but, know. I mean, but but at the, but at the end of the day, and it's what I said before in the very beginning of this entire situation with him is like he hasn't really done much, so you don't really have much to lose, my man. About your no, career, I don't, I don't mean like being threatened by your career. I mean being threatened, you know, in another way. Well, someone's like, dude, open your mouth and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, he did yeah. say, oh, I don't care if I never work again. You know so that type of stuff. It, but the other, the thing with him is he's got to be careful too because, you know the, the the more he just remains like kind of vague and cryptic, the more you open yourself up for to two things. One, you're building this up now, right, to the point where it's like people are expecting like this bombshell, and if he does ever decide to start giving details, and it's really like not that. It's kind of like one of those things where it's like, oh well. Okay, like, yeah, maybe he interpreted something that way, but it's really not like it doesn't seem that bad. Like, it's automatically you're building it up and it's setting yourself up for like disappointment. The other thing is, too, the longer you drag this on, the more you dilute and water down your message, right? So, less and less people are going to be listening the more you just drag this on. People are going to move on to other things, especially now. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic, people are out of work, you know, people have died. This is the world is a mess, and you know people are just going to start tuning you out because after a while it's like you know what enough of your bullshit. I got I have I have everything going wrong right now in my life. I don't really care. So either say what you got to say or just move on to something (laughs) else because like I'm I don't have a job and I you know blah 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 whatever the case may be. Like that's what's going to start to happen, and you know you just can't drag things on like that for a while. Like Aaron was saying, like sometimes you just have to punch people in the face when you have a big message like that because if you just kind of jab and you bob and weave and you're ducking around like people just tune out they get bored okay well here's the thing though when when you are being cryptic and vague right what are you doing you're leaving it to the imagination of everyone who's kind of thinking like what could you mean and some people's imaginations are going to go in one direction and some people's imaginations are going to go another direction you know depending on your personal experience and your bias and like all these kind of things that come into play and then maybe when he finally drops the bombshell or whatever maybe it's not that big of a deal i mean yeah and and, and, and then like everything that you created in your head of like possibly what can happen i mean i don't think it's gonna be not that big of a deal but i'm just saying like people's imaginations are gonna like start taking over and they're gonna think certain things so it's almost like the damage is already done to to some people's reputations you know Mm -hmm. and if they deserve it great if if it was a matter of you know something that's not that serious perhaps like the grievances they had like i said maybe like his lines got cut or like you know scenes or whatever um then everyone's just gonna shrug and be like "Ah, okay i also think at a point he had everybody's ear there was a time when he had everybody's ear he was standing on the mountain ready to preach and he didn't seize on that moment and now i think people have kind of moved on a little bit so right. when he does finally decide to deliver his message, unless it's a whopper of a message in a situation, I don't know that as many people are going to be around to hear it. Even, and, even if the message was like working with Joss Whedon, he was such a you know asshole to everyone on set. Well, you know he he didn't really do anything wrong if he's an, if he's like an asshole of a person yeah. and he was just like nasty, right? right. 
he still went there for his job and got his job done. For example, that's just like, you know, one example. But then it's like if he just comes out and says like, well, working with that guy was terrible. I had a horrible work experience and I tried to complain about it and he was he didn't listen to actors or whatever. Then it's like, well, then you were just working with a terrible, terrible, terrible director. But if he said something specific to you or, you know, like you felt uncomfortable because he like made someone do something or, you know, like if it escalates into a different type of situation, right. then, then say it, just say it. But if like now, now that's what I'm saying. You're making people's imaginations go like, well, is it because you were just working with someone that you didn't like working with and you came off such a great experience with Zack Snyder, you know? Or, like, what is, like, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, like, I mean, you, you never know. Say, and, and you better say it. The other piece, too, is it, it could be his inexperience working, you know, working in that environment because he had only done a couple of things. I'm not trying to, like, justify or even try to, you know, poke holes to his story, but there's three sides to this thing. There's his side, there's whoever else he's accusing, Jeff Johns, Joss Whedon, whatever, and then in the middle is the truth, right? So he also has to be accountable for his behavior, his actions because who knows like you say you took it up to the right you know up the right channels whatever and this is the problem right because when you are you start splicing your story here and diluting it like i get to make up whatever narrative now to fill the holes so you could have been you could have come out and said to jeff johns hey joss whedon's being a real dick man i don't really want to work with him and jeff johns is like well how much longer do we have to finish this film and he's like i don't really want to do this like but you're contracted to uh you know, to finish his film. And then he gets hostile and goes, I don't want to do this anymore. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yo, dude, with that behavior, you're not going to be, you're not going to last long in Hollywood. Oh, you're making a threat against my career. And then he storms out. See what I'm saying? Right. Like, well, we don't I know. Just... <laughs> well, and well, the fact of the matter is, like, yeah, that's, if... that's the thing though. We don't, we don't know exactly what's going on, but people online are starting to be like, Hey, do you believe Ray Fisher? You know, do you believe him? And it's like, well, like I like what am I trying to believe exactly like I know yeah. he has some grievances and I know he tried to do certain things and bring it up the chain of command but like it's, it's, it's not out there like what are the com what are the complaints yeah mm -hmm. and the thing is I if Kevin know. Smith hadn't sort of filled in the gaps here a little bit and, ah, yeah, and added some of that like his what he had heard right and his thoughts on this this story would be even more incomplete because I think a lot of us are approaching this, too, from the perspective of, like, what Kevin Smith said, um, which, you know, trying to add context to what Ray Fisher had originally said, and also, like, what John Berg didn't say, you know, in, in his, you know, trying to rebut what Ray Fisher was saying. So, like, a lot of that, and again, some of that is is speculation, and a lot of it is speculation. So... Really, we have even less to go on than than we might even think, because I do think in the back of our minds is like the Kevin Smith stuff that came out that we're adding yeah. into that story that Ray Fisher still hasn't talked about. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's I'm at the point right. where I was like, hey, speak your truth. Great. Good for you. But now I'm at the point where I'm like, you know what? Get back to me when you really have something to say, because I yeah. 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 I want to know when when he says that you know Whedon's onset treatment of cast and crew was like abusive and unprofessional, you know, and completely unacceptable. I want to know what was the abusive stuff, you know, because it's it's not a crime to be unprofessional, right? 
unless you're crossing some sort of boundary, like you can just be like a really horrible person, you know, and be unprofessional, right? A lot of people Mm -hmm. are, um, are unprofessional or a lot of people are rude, for example, and that's okay. We learn how to deal with rude people. We learn how to go around it. But if there was abusive or gross behavior or unacceptable behavior that crosses some type of boundary, then I think if you're talking about it, then you kind of have that responsibility, you know, to share it with people that are potentially going to work with these people again, you know, but if he was, if he was rude or unprofessional in any type of way, that's just like a personality thing, then you really can't control those matters. And you really have no basis, you know, to, to say anything except your opinion of this person. Right. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I want to know what was the gross and abusive, um, behavior, but it's almost like too late because now everyone just thinks like, okay, Jeff Johns and, you know, Joss Whedon, like we're going to cancel them. Right. That's like the new culture. Now it's like, now we're going to judge them for everything that they've ever done and their divorce. And he's a feminist and all this kind of stuff. Great. I really don't care. Um, but I want to know the specific abuses because if it is an abuse and you can help other people, then now you have the responsibility to do that and hold these people accountable. And if you don't, then it's like, why are you keeping it to yourself and acting like holier than thou? Like, just say it, just, just tell us what happened. So what, what was our hashtag? You know, if you got something to say. Say what you gotta say. Say what you gotta say, but say what you gotta say. Say what you gotta say. Say what you gotta say, but say what you gotta say. I like that. I like that. Hashtag that. New T-shirt coming out (laughs) next week. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What else we got? So, well, I mean, I guess sort of related, kind of, is um, DC fandom, right? Is is it fandom? It's fan. Well, yeah. I mean, it's F A N D O M E. And it's their logo. Their logo is a a dome. Dome. Yeah. Fan dome. So fan dome. That is coming out. That's what August twenty second. It starts. This Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, The Saturday after this episode drops. Uh, They released the schedule. It looks pretty cool to me. Um, It. Yeah. I mean. Yes. It is absolutely. It's packed. It's it's packed. Mm -hmm. It's packed. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll be there. That's. When I plan on doing all day Saturday with you guys. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I'm going to be jumping <laughs> in and out of things. But I mean, some of these panels are like 10 minutes long. Yes. You know, Aquaman is 10 minutes. Um, because it's probably not much of a pa- It's really just probably it, more no. of like, here's some. Here's some behind the scenes some, footage of yeah. what we want to do. Here's some concepts. Yeah. James and that's, Wan, that's cool. I mean, and the best part creatures. about it is I'm going to be able to watch it from home. Following along with our theme for this show, there you go. Uh, and I can pick. I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued. And... I'm, you know, obviously, I'm intrigued by the Wonder Woman '84 panel. I want to see more about Rocksteady's uh, uh, video game, The Suicide Squad. Want to see about that? The Batman Aquaman, stuff. The Batman, absolutely. Yes, yeah. for sure. And um, Black Adam. I mean, I know that there hasn't been much movement there, uh, but. You know, if there's any concept art there, I want to check that out. And then there's a there's like a to be announced one, which I'm hoping has to do with Superman. Mm. That would be pretty amazing. That would be great, right? I mean, Henry Cavill's supposed to be there. Um, 
so it would be it would be weird if there was absolutely nothing from Henry Cavill. Yeah. About Superman. I mean, the thing yeah. is too. I'm not a, and who knows? Maybe there's some other legit reason why they are doing to be announced. But like, if you're gonna do that now, you're setting me up for expectations, right? I'm gonna assume that this is some mystery thing. Right. And that it's going to be cool and they're going to deliver and they don't want to announce it ahead of time because it's just going to, you know, everybody's going to go crazy. Right. And they're going to figure it out and they're going to, the surprise will be done. So I've built that up in my mind and maybe I am setting myself up for disappointment. But yeah, if you're going to go that route, um, this used to happen a lot in wrestling, right? Where they would announce like the mystery opponent or the mystery partner. And it's like, man, if you're going to do that, you better deliver. Like, that better be something, man, because it it can't be, like, because once you start doing that, if it's something that you just could have announced and, like, it wouldn't have been that exciting, like, you should have announced it. Like, if it's going to be a mystery or if it's going to be to be determined to be not, then that should be something that you build up and that should be, like, a hell of a surprise. So, yeah, I'm hoping that it is something Cavill, Superman related. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to announce a Superman movie, but it could just be, you know, Cavill what he's going to be doing as Superman in these other movies that he's going to be popping up in. And, you know, maybe something about that. So that'll be, that could be cool. Yeah. Um, I like, I like that they're doing, they're going to show the panels, you know, at the time where they're airing and then they're going to show it again, like much later. Yeah. Yeah. Like for people that like work and stuff. That's that's cool. So, so I mean, different, different coasts and whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm interested to see how this model works and like see if their website what that holds experience up. Is gonna be. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's gonna crash. I hope it is. I hope not. Yeah. But it. <laughs> um. <laughs> and you know, I want to see what that interface is gonna look like. Like, do you actually maneuver around? You're like, I'm gonna go to this hall. No, it's probably just stay stationary in one place and. <laughs> shit changes because they're like the hall of heroes you're like this is amazing and then you're like wait what what, what are we what are we getting all like yeah no i mean and this is big this too because virtual... it's again you know and, and comic-con kind of did a n- nothing like this really but they did a the, the virtual home thing you know this again could be a new like a wave of the future type of thing as well you know like look we people wait during like San Diego Comic Con, like all they wait for now is to see like the leaks of the trailers mm-hmm. or the footage, right? That's shown like in Hall H and all of that stuff. And it's like, well, now, like you can you can cut down on the the bootlegging, right? That they hate of those things by giving people access, you know, to mm-hmm. to be able to watch it at home, um, you know. And I there are a ton of people that would do that. Hardcore. What's that? I would do. I would be on the hunt. Oh yeah, hardcore. Just searching YouTube, searching yeah. Reddit, see if there was any. Yeah. And did anyone sneak in a phone? I remember I saw, dude. It was a Comic Con uh, in two thousand eight when uh, Iron Man or two thousand seven maybe in Iron Man. They had footage of Iron Man. I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. Um, you know, uh, the Batman trailers. Watching that with the Joker, with the Dark Knight, um, you know, so I was I was all over that stuff. Yeah, I mean, why um, wouldn't so, you want to so, give people yeah, I'm glad access? That gonna, uh, I mean, 
D23, no, I'm, not, I'm sorry, not D23. Star Wars Celebration did something similar to that, but they cut it. So you like you were participating, you know, virtually, watching all of the, the all of the keynotes and all the all of the presentations and whatever. And they're like, oh, we're gonna show you something really cool. And then the lights would go dark, and then they'd go, hey, I'm Josh from blah blah blah, and you you know everyone in attendance is getting a sneak peek of. I'm like, what the heck is this BS? Holy shit! Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I'm I kind of can get. I kind of understand maybe that. But I, I do think that there's, um, well now it's like I do think that there's opportunities for them to to incorporate at least elements Open of this up. model, yeah, into all of these types of events, these fan events going forward. Um, I maybe you don't want to yeah. air on on like a YouTube or broadcast, like if it's like a sneak peek, like you know you got to see like the first whatever it was of Spider Man into the Spider Verse, like oh dude. Like you're not gonna put that up on YouTube, yeah. But you're not gonna put that on YouTube, right? Because then it's like easy to. I mean, you're making it easier than for bootleggers and stuff. But uh, there's other things you could do, Um, other panels. You could you could certainly have the panels. You could show trailers. You could even show like the little bit of like early footage and stuff like that that they show. That's eventually gonna leak out anyway, Uh, and eventually, in some cases, be released like on by the studios anyway. So it's like, well, if you're going to do all that, just give people access. People are still going to want to be there live. You're not going to lose that element of it. Um, but you're giving people like you know me, who's not going to go to San Diego Comic-Con, you're giving me an opportunity, too, to sit in on it. Um, right. I think there's... And, and you know what? Maybe sell me a package. You know, give me a weekend pass, a virtual weekend pass that I could buy mm. and give me access to that stuff. So now you're making money on me being at home so you don't have to feel so bad um i i might be down with that if it was the right you know the right um panels and stuff for a particular year something i was really interested mm-hmm. in i could do that so yeah that's an interesting concept sure i think i think the the thing that i would you know if that were a real thing just being able to pick and choose and be everywhere when you've had like two conflicting panels that you had, and like, oh, do I really want to see this one, or then I can only go to that one. Um, but I, I like that idea. I think it'd be really cool. Yeah, I mean, you could even work with that. I for Comic Con where I wanted to go see something, but it conflicted with something else. Yeah, I mean, if you're you know? if you wanted, you can do it that way too, where you give the people at home will have the same experience that the people live would have, where like you have to pick and choose. Or you could, you know, have a limited archive of that stuff, you know, where if there are two things going at the same time, you could, you know, watch one on a delay. But either way, I mean, it, it's it doesn't matter. It's more of the concept and the idea and the convenience and the flexibility that would intrigue me about that. So I hope this goes well for DC because I want it to work. I think it's a cool idea and I think that it could open up some really cool possibilities um, down the road for these other events. So... Mm. Uh, what else? Anything else uh, going on here? Probably um, not much. Ozark uh. is starting uh, production in November, so awesome. that's interesting, oh, and we'll see. Yeah, um, I think they said, um, oh my god, why Jason Bateman? I just like blanked on his name. <laughs> He's for the for the first time he's not going to direct the first two episodes. Mm. 
So that's, uh, you know, nothing crazy, but they're going to start production November. He's not going to be directing the first two episodes, which is sad because I think he's also a really great director. Um, Mm -hmm. And they're going to try and get that ball rolling so we can get the anticipated 14-episode two-part Ozark season four. I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Disney that. also, That's Lucasfilm cool. announced that The Mandalorian Season 3, does not they do not expect it to be delayed because they yeah. used, the way they filmed the show apparently um, awesome. allows them to not have to deal with a lot of like scheduling delays and all of that stuff. That's and they, they didn't awesome. have to shut down production really because of the pandemic and everything. So, and dude, that thing drops in two months. Yeah, sure does. And we don't have a trailer yet. That's okay. Oh, don't nah, give me a dude, trailer. Every time, I'm getting, every time I'm reminded that this thing is like around the corner, I'm like, give me something. No, nah, don't give me a trailer. <laughs> Just give me a tease. I'm okay with that. You know, Oof, I cannot me... wait for that. Yeah. Excited for the Mandalorian. It's going to be interesting. I, I think that more people are going to be excited about that like first weekend uh, than were... For this first season, not that people weren't excited about it, but I think there were so many people that discovered this show that weren't even huge Star Wars fans that this is going to be like destination event television beyond mm. even the Star Wars audience. Yeah, because I think no, yeah, this I think show right. crossed over. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. But yeah, mm. uh, perfect timing for that. Well, we're we're coming into a. Like, in two weeks, I mean, we're going to be able to watch The Boys. Um, what else? The new HBO Max show, Raised by Wolves, I think. That's only two weeks away. And then, I don't know, but are you guys going to watch Mulan, or am I the only one that's going to watch it, and then I'm, I'm going to come on the pod and talk about it? I don't anticipate watching it. <laughs> uh, Not now. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Actually, I got called out, because I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get it, and... Uh... My wife was like, uh, uh, not for no $30, man. She's like, we could do something different with $30. I'm like, well, don't you want to? She's like, nope. So I didn't tell her about Bill and Ted. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll bite the bullet. I'll probably watch it, let you guys know, and make you feel the FOMO. <sighs> yeah, I mean, with Mulan, for me, like I, I, I will watch it at some point, but I wasn't even... Even if the world was normal, I wasn't going to the theaters either opening weekend to see it. I probably wasn't going to go to the theaters at all to see it. That's a movie I would be happy to watch at home. Uh, I I would have been happy to watch at home like once it became available on like Disney Plus under like a normal circumstance. Um, But I don't uh, I don't really see myself paying for that. I mean, if I hear some like amazing things about it, maybe. But I, I think I'll give that one some time and um, probably wait to see how it's released. You know, after this Disney Plus situation goes on, um, I could mm. wait. I could wait on Mulan. Um, so it's not even about the thirty dollars for me. It's just more about the the interest uh, in how I would have wanted to see that movie. Uh, Bill and Ted, I will probably get. Uh, in fact, Voodoo I know is offering a um, a three dollar credit right now for anybody that pre-orders. Um, really? Yeah, by a, I don't know if it's by a certain date, but it's if you pre-order it, um, you get a three dollar credit. 
Uh, so that's cool because I use Vudu a bunch because they have movies anywhere, so it it connects to like Amazon and anything else yeah, I was that say, has I'm movies Amazon. anywhere. So it doesn't really matter. Um, so yeah, so that's something I might do because then you're getting the three bucks back, and then now it's only you know twenty two dollars, and and then you can spend mm-hmm. that on something else, a rental, or you know put it towards whatever. Some Twizzlers. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that one I'll probably do. Um, and I think I will actually be in the mood for that movie by the time it comes out. So I think that, uh, I'm looking forward to that now more than I might've been like a month ago. Go. All right. Well, exciting stuff. Yeah. All right, then should we, uh, do some plugs and get out of here? Sure. Uh, oh, by the way, Vanessa, uh, the King of Staten Island um, yes. is going to be available for online rentals in seven days, and you could purchase it now for fifteen bucks. Mm, nah, she's like still too much money. He well, in in a fun. week you'll be able to rent it, probably for three bucks. So, oh, three bucks, yeah. Well, or whatever. I mean, the rentals for the most part are usually she's like, like five ninety nine, and I I think four ninety nine, yeah, um, something like that. Trolls, Trolls World Four, I think, is coming to Hulu too, September first. Oh yeah. Yeah, surprised it would go, I'm surprised it would go there and not to Peacock. I know Hulu's Hulu's been. Um, oh, I. You know what? Before we sign off, Hulu has been a, a kind of like hidden gem for me. We just we just finished um, Dave, the F, the FX series on on Hulu. Have you guys checked that out? No. By uh, you know the rapper Lil Dicky. No. Nope. Ah, okay. Well, check it out. It's 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 like kind of a gross show. You know, I don't like all like the the male humor. Um, but then there's some bits that are really really touching and really well written. It was just such a nice surprise. So, cool. um, yeah, I just I noticed that Hulu has a film that I wanted to see called Ollie and Stan about Laurel and Hardy. Uh, so I'll be, I'll, I'm gonna try to check that out. Okay. And that's it. So, all right. So on that note, um, you can go to thefanboygarage.com and check out our episodes, check out our merch store uh, with all the different designs there. Uh, And, of course, you can join the conversation on the social medias, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the Twitters, at thefanboygarage.com. And um, I'm on Twitter at Real CL Mighty. You can catch me at banana underscore TFG. Awesome. And before I uh, I tell you where you can find me, I just wanted to do a quick plug and shout out to my boy Phil, uh, who runs a auction site uh, on Facebook called Special FX. All uh, money that's contributed to you know the sale of comics, rare comic books, golden, silver age stuff, even new stuff, uh, all goes to a fund that he is creating for his son who has a very rare uh, genetic condition called Fragile X. Uh, so be sure to check check him out. You can find him on Facebook uh, at Special Effects, um, and they usually host auctions on Fridays. Um, and like I said, they've got some really really good stuff. I've gotten some some great comics. Uh, uh, and he also sells like slabs, so from CGC stuff that's been certified and graded. 
Anyways, um, on the social media, you can find me uh, on Twitter at AARonSpeaks. That is A underscore A underscore Ron Speaks. Thank you, as always, for listening to another episode of the Fanboy Garage. You have just listened to episode 109, and we will catch you next week. You're listening to the Fanboy Garage Podcast.